Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody gathered in uh, Sunday morning at a good packed church. You're all very welcome, be it here this morning in person or online using our Facebook Live church app or listening later on through our CD ministry or indeed on YouTube. You're all very, very welcome indeed. Good to have you join with us. And on your behalf this morning, we welcome our friend Mark Onnett back into the pulpit. Welcome back, Mark. Good to have you with us. And hope you're keeping well and welcome back to Naomi as well. Now, I know Mark and Naomi won't kill me because he's given me permission to say this before, but it's really good news for the couple as they are expecting their first baby. So we wish them well and every blessing and you'll continue and remain in our prayers in the days that lie ahead. So congratulations. Just a few announcements to make. Uh, just to say also a big welcome to our members of our Girls' Brigade Company who are here this morning to receive certificates uh, for their officer and sub-officer training. As you all know, uh, organisations haven't been the easiest to manage in recent times with COVID-19, and our youth organisations are no different, and they've had a very, very challenging two years. But it's great and encouraging to see the GB with us this morning, and we look forward to seeing and hearing more about the work of the GB during this morning's service. This afternoon at 3 p.m., the PW will be holding their prayer meeting in the church hall. Midweek, a Bible study and prayer meeting will be as usual on Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock. Then Thursday and Friday evening of this, this week, there is no BB and GB as in face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, there may be some senior group meetings for BB, but BB and GB will resume face-to-face -face meetings from the 24th and the 25th of February. Just also to say, if you haven't received your Presbyterian Herald, there are some out in the vestibule. And maybe I've got to ask the stewards this morning just to double-check the names on the Presbyterian Heralds to make sure that they're distributed this morning to each family when they're here in the church. Next Sunday will be the PW service, and it's the annual PW service, which will be led by Amy Lennox from FM Transition, which is Faith Mission Transition. Normally, mission boxes are collected and counted by the PW committee, but as there are still restrictions in place, we would appreciate, this is from the PW obviously, we would appreciate uh, if this could be count your box at home and leave your donation in the basket in the vestibule or put it on the offering plate. Alternatively, you can give your donation to the PW Treasurer, Mrs. Jean Annett, or make a contribution by bank transfer. And the details for doing that are also in the vestibule. If this is not possible, and you would prefer to leave your mission box, either General Mission or Leprosy Mission, please place in the basket in the vestibule. Many thanks for your continued generosity towards the work of PW. And PW will also meet this week in the church hall. That's Tuesday the 15th of February at 8 p.m. And the guest speaker will be our dear friend, Mr. Noel Hamilton. Uh, and next Sunday morning as well at 11 o'clock, don't forget the weekly prayer meeting in the church hall. And finally, it is indeed with great sadness and regret that we have to announce the passing of Mr. Lindsay McCready in his 95th year. Lindsay was indeed a very faithful member of this congregation and served for many years as committee member here in the congregation. I, on your behalf, extend our deepest and sincere sympathies to his widow Kathleen, sons Christopher and Rodney, daughter-in-law Michelle, and grandson Mark at this very, very difficult and sad time. These are all announcements, Mark, and I hand over to you. Thank you, David, again for the warm welcome, as always. As we gather together in worship this morning, let us begin our service by coming to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we come and worship this Sunday morning, we praise you for allowing us, your chosen people, to come into your holy presence and to approach your throne of grace. Father, we are all too aware of our shortcomings 
We are far away off from righteousness yet. We still rebel and still disobey. So Father, please do not deal with us according to what we deserve. We confess that we are guilty and we ask for your help to feel it deeply. Let us not be lovers of ourselves while we're still in sin. Instead, let us abhor ourselves, despair in our sins, yet always remember the hope that we have in you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace to forgive by the perfect Lamb who takes away sin. Through him we approach you. Through him we are made right with you. By him we can trust and obey and be upheld. Father, turn us from our error and our false ways and help us as we strive to walk the narrow way with Christ each day. Turn us from all idols. Help us to listen to you and to your word. Hold back our lips from speaking anything that does not glorify your name. Help us to be holy in our conduct. Father, let us be zealous for your glory, useful for the work of the kingdom, and blameless in your sight. Give us grace that we might live in such a way that your name would be hallowed in us. And by your great power, bring us your children to love and adore you as our heavenly Father. As we come shortly to read and to study your word, we pray we might properly respond to what you have written for our good. As we read the very words of Christ, may they be fresh to us, May they be a warning to many and may they even be an encouragement to others. Deal personally with each one of us. May your spirit work in this place today. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, our first hymn this morning is a hymn, a paraphrase as well. O God of Bethel, by whose hand thy people still are fed. Let's stand and worship our great God together as we sing.
come now to read from God's Word. And the passage we'll be studying a little bit later on is definitely well known. It's quoted or referred to at least uh, by an awful lot of preachers as they issue a call to come to Christ. And it's a passage that is very clear in its meaning. don't need to be a biblical scholar to know exactly what Christ is saying. Yet as we come to it later, I trust we will all come away having learned something new. But the passage is just two short verses from Matthew chapter 7. And I'll read just the two. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Amen. I believe we have a presentation or two this morning, so I'm just going to hand over to Rebecca now to do that. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's uh, my pleasure as GB captain uh, to give a short report on GB um, so far and uh, to also present training certificates to our leaders. Um, just to recap, there will be some photos on the screen as well to show in the last couple of years. Um, if we look back to the 2020-2021 session, it could probably be summed up in one word, and that was Zoom. Uh, digital means was the only way that we could meet. And uh, we were able to hold a family quiz online in October. And we also did sessions with the seniors and brigaders uh, over six months um, using a resource called Shaken. And it wasn't written for the pandemic, but um, it certainly we hoped it helped uh, girls to um, go through um, everything the pandemic was sort of shaking us up around. But it was a great opportunity to see the girls and to check in with them once a month. And GB and I also used Zoom to facilitate training. And I'm delighted that seven of our leaders took the time to log in in the comfort of their own homes um, to continue both their sub-officer and officer training and they are here today to receive the certificates that have been just recently sent out from headquarters. When lockdown first started, our officers in training, it's a two-year process, they had uh, done their first year and were finishing company experience booklets, and these were sent off to headquarters, and then they would normally attend a district training day in September, but instead went on Zoom in the autumn. And then Emily Johnson began her training, and very impressively for Emily, she had to fill in the company booklet all by herself at home. Um, it goes through the history of GB, and uh, there's quite a lot of um, information um, to put in. But I don't think in the history of our formation um, that there's ever been uh, as many train, uh, leaders in training. Um, so it's really important that we recognize this today and to give our prayerful support um, to them as they begin this important part of service to the Lord. With no enrolments lately or display planned, we thought it would be fitting to hand these out in our Sunday service. Unfortunately, girls, I can't shake your hands when you come up um, to get your certificate and a, a small gift, um, but uh, when we do, we elbow pump. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe after the last name is called, if the congregation would like to show their support um, with a round of applause. So first up, our sub-officer, Emily Johnson. And then our officers, Catherine Annett. <laughs> Alexandra Brady. Uh, I'll call out Kerry Davison's name as well. Uh, she couldn't be here today, but um, just acknowledge Kerry trained as well. Uh, Elise Kernahan. I had to make sure I said the right surname there. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, Rosemary Murray. And last but not least, Jane Scott. <laughs> Well done, girls. Great achievement. 
We've had a few other leaders uh, due to family and work commitments haven't been back, uh, but I'd also just like to thank on record, um, I'm looking for Wendy Annett <laughs> uh, as a servant officer and our treasurer, and also Catherine Walker for their continued support. Uh, when we think of uh, leadership in the church, um, our goal should always be as disciples of Jesus just to continue to make more disciples. And our remit in GB, um, as you can see here from the, the pull-up, is to seek, serve and follow Christ. So please support us in that prayer for all the women today and for the leaders as well, that we will continue to do that. Just a word or two about the current session. Uh, you can see on our, our screen some photos from the fun day we had in, um, on the 18th of September and we got great weather. Um, we thank God for blue skies that day and we had fun with Bouncy Castle games and treats in the car park for our tinies, explorers and juniors. And then we had a pizza and movie night down in second and third that evening. And then in October and November, we met with um, each section once per month. And this was just due to the size of our building and the number of girls and obviously child protection that we had to adhere to. But it was just a joy to see the girls bouncing in, um, even though it was less than, than they were used to. They were just so happy to be there. And we just thank all the parents uh, for bringing the girls. In November, I registered 77 girls with GBNI, so it was a really healthy number. And this is, uh, shows how important it is in our community as, as, as an outreach in the town that we are able to attract those numbers. Some of them do go to other churches, but quite often they don't go to any. So it's just great that they um, want to come to the Girls' Brigade. You'll have also seen we've had a busy year of weddings uh, and the privilege of forming Guard of Honours for Emma Boyd, Kerry Annett and Elise Annett at the time. And we just kept those um, guards quite small just for the pandemic. But we do want to thank the families for letting us be part of those special days. Sadly, this also meant we lost two officers as they have now joined new churches. And we wish Emma Slater and Kerry Davison God's richest blessings. We thank them for their service in First of Rhineland and hope that someday they'll maybe serve in another company. In December, due to high levels of COVID in, in our local schools, um, along with the BB, we took the decision not to meet. Uh, also in January, but we did hold a Christmas carol service on Zoom on the 15th of December, and we were pleased around 25 families joined to worship and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Finally, I just want to thank all those who have supported our company and leadership team in prayer during this unusual year. Uh, COVID regulations have added to how we plan and prepare our program, and I especially want to thank Mr. David Scott our clerk of session, for his support, guidance and encouragement throughout and for always taking my phone calls, be they about lateral flow tests or um, whatever. So thank you, David. Uh, and just to say um, that we're eight months into a vacancy and in the last vacancy um, I was the daughter of the clerk of session and I know how much extra time and uh, effort and expectation that takes. So uh, just encourage the congregation to pray, not just for David, but for Irene and the whole family because it is a huge sacrifice that you are doing, and we thank you very much, David. Just to finish, that uh, the pandemic has reminded us that uh, we can make plans as, as much as we like, but they don't always come to fruition, and only God knows what is uh, in the future. And whilst this has been thoroughly frustrating at times over the course of the past two years, it helps us to rely on God for his providence and grace, knowing that he is faithful, that he does not change, and he will never let us down. And just a, a couple of verses for our new leaders, um, just to help us all. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That's from Proverbs chapter 3. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca. It's uh, great to hear of the work of GB, and we'll, of course, be remembering you in prayer later on. Boys and girls, how many of you here have a pet at home? Raise your hands. Okay, a few. How many have dogs? Okay, a couple of dogs. What about cats? Okay, way at the back. Yep, cats, cats and dogs. Um, what about rabbit? Anything else? Just anything else apart from a, a cat or a dog? No? What do you have? Cows. <laughs> you wouldn't fit them in the house, but that's a different kind of animal altogether. Well, with lots of pets in Rafferty, and that's great. But some of you maybe don't know about me. I absolutely love animals too, most of them anyway. And the animal that I love the most is dogs. I absolutely love dogs. And when I was 
your age, some of your ages, my mum and dad would have found me curled up in the dog bed outside because I just loved spending time with my dogs. And I was thinking this week of all the dogs that we used to have. And I was thinking of all their names. And I'll name them for you now because we had Bouncer and we had Holly and we had Skip. We had Sweep and Chum and Barney and Lucy and Gunner and Poppy and Casper and Susie and now Axel. So you can tell that we really love dogs in our house. That's 12 dogs. And I told my wife that and she said, well, she had more. <laughs> so we're definitely dog lovers in our house. But I want to talk to you about a couple of them this morning. Not all of them, just three of them. And maybe if Robin uh, goes ahead there and we'll see a couple of them. This is Poppy. She's the princess. And no matter what she does, she gets away with it. Because just look at her. She's, she's gorgeous. She's too cute. She gets away with everything. And everybody knows it. And she knows it too. And then with the second one. This is Sweep. Now, Sweep loved chasing things. But the thing he loved the most was grub. And so he had to go on a diet the odd time. Which wasn't so nice for him. And then the third one is Chum. Chum, this is a debate in our house, but Chum was the best dog I think we ever had because he was so intelligent, he was so smart, even just looking at him, you could nearly tell him what you wanted him to do and he would do it. Absolutely great dog. You can go on to the next slide then. That's the three of them all together. And one day I had the three of them all out. Might have been that day, I don't know. And I decided to throw a stick for them over the wall, over the stone ditch. You know what a stone ditch is with all the boulders in it so there's holes through it. And this stone ditch ran up from the bottom of our garden the whole way to the top. Well, not the whole way to the top because there was a little bit of a gap. There was no gate. There was just a gap that you could walk around. And I got the, the dogs, the three of them, to sit down and to stay and I threw the stick over. And when I threw the stick over, they were, they were ready to go. Their eyes were wide. Their ears were up. And you could almost see them thinking, how am I going to get to that stick? And then I said, right, go fetch. And the funniest thing happened, and I will never forget it, because Chum, he's the one at the back, he decided the best way to get this stick was to jump over the wall. And he was like a kangaroo, he hardly even touched the wall. And then Poppy, the princess, she was nice and skinny, so she decided to find a way through the wall. She went through it, and she squeezed in through the large stones. And then we had Sweep. He couldn't jump and he definitely couldn't squeeze through the wall so he had to run around it. So I thought this was amazing. We had three dogs and they all cho chose a different way to get to the same destination. I thought that was really interesting. And in the short couple of verses we read just a moment ago, Jesus tells us that there is only one way to get to be with him forever in heaven to get to life only one way and people were told that people might try other paths just like those three dogs they all found a way of their own to get to where they wanted to go but that doesn't happen with Jesus Jesus tells us there is only one way and it's a narrow gate and this narrow gate it, it leads to a, a really rough road and that rough road, sometimes there's very few people on it. But it's still the only way to get to life. And that gate, boys and girls, really is narrow. For Jesus says in John chapter 10 that he is the gate. He is the door. And it's only through him that we get this life. That's the only way to get to that destination is through Jesus. Not like the dogs. They all took their own way to the same place. We can't squeeze our way into heaven another way. We can't jump over any wall and we can't go in through a back door. It is only through Jesus Christ. How do we use this gate? Well, we're to come to him. We're to ask him to be our saviour, to save us from our sins. To wash us clean. And he takes away all the dirt of our sin. All the things that we think or say or do that displeases God. And he leaves us spotless in the eyes of God. And then we go down this hard path. It's a hard path at times. We live our life for Jesus. We live our lives for God's glory. 
and then we have a relationship with him. We obey him, we read his word, and we share his message with others. It's not all easy, because sometimes we have to forgive things that people do to us that aren't nice. We have to pray for people that hurt us. And sometimes we have to leave things behind us that, is, that are displeasing to God, things that we might have enjoyed, but now we can't do. But boys and girls, I can tell you, and everybody in here that has been through that gate can tell you that it is totally worth it because at the end of our lives and even during our lives we get to spend every moment with Jesus Christ we get all the amazing privileges that comes with that and we get eternal life at the end in heaven some people you know they look all their lives to try and find another road into heaven but nobody's ever found one nobody ever will find one because it's only through Jesus It's only by asking him to come into your life. Only he can get you there. Only he can get you the peace and the joy and this lasting love and eternal life. Only by coming to Jesus, boys and girls, can you be with him forever and get to be with him in heaven. We're going to sing about how Jesus is the only one that can save us now with the words of our next hymn, O Christ in thee, my soul is found and found in thee alone. And after singing this hymn, boys and girls, you can head out to Sunday school.
Let's still our hearts at this point in our service as we come to God in our prayers of intercession. Let's pray. None but Christ can satisfy. No other name for me. Father, we thank you for the truth of these words. Your word tells us as well that there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. We thank you, Father, that your son is no made-up fable. He's not some saviour that the minds of men have, have conjured up. For who could come up with such a wonderful message? If men had written these words, if the Bible was just a book invented by men to make us feel good, it wouldn't have made it past the editor. For they would say it promises too much. It's too wonderful. They would never believe it. All the more amazing then that it is indeed true. Every word from your own mouth, written down carefully by your chosen few. We thank you, Father, that salvation is more than some would have us believe. It's not just a ticket to glory. It's communion with Christ. It is admittance to the throne room of heaven. And it is fellowship with brothers and sisters in the Spirit. It is lifting up for the downcast. Brokenness exchanged for beauty. Hope for the despair. Comfort for those who mourn. Father, that is needed in this place today. And that's why we come to you now. For there are many in our congregation today who are, who are suffering in various ways. Father, a list that is long with names of those who are sick, both at home and in hospital. Some with illnesses that we expect them to overcome. Some who are in much more serious a place. And some who really need a miracle. So we pray to the God of miracles. Father, if it be your will and if it pleases you, heal our friends and our family, we pray. Bring those in hospital home to be with their loved ones. And others grant full health and strength once more. Sadly, we do know of some who have gone to be with their Saviour in recent days. We are sad, Father as those that are left behind, but they are experiencing a joy unspeakable. We thank you, Father, for the life of, of Lindsay McCready, and we bring his family before you now. We think of his widow, Kathleen, his sons, Christopher and Rodney, and we think as well of Michelle and Mark. Father, comfort them in their sorrow, we pray. Father, we thank you for the, the session meeting that took place this past week. Thank you that much was talked about and, and prepared for the coming of a new minister, although it is a while off yet. Nevertheless, we thank you for each step along that road. We continue to keep the session in our prayers as they look after this place. Continue to give them grace and wisdom for the months ahead. Father, we thank you for the GB here and first as well. Father, we see a few leaders here today and there are even many who work alongside behind the scenes too. And we pray for them. We pray for Rebecca as she continues her work as captain. Of course, we remember our BB too and David as he runs that. We thank you for the fantastic number of young folks who they influence each week. Let us as a congregation be fervent in our prayers for them that they might come to know you as their God and your Son as their Saviour. We thank you for all the other organisations which are continuing or, or resuming again this month. We thank you for, for Sunday school and the children who come along, for the leaders who faithfully teach each week. We thank you for the work of the PW, the Ladies' Bible Study. We thank you for Midweek, all places where members of this congregation can come to have genuine fellowship with one another. Father, we thank you for further afield today also. We thank you for this dangerous situation that's developing in the East, with many countries seemingly prepared for war, we pray that you might bring calm to that storm and peace where it is needed the most. And may even the leaders of each country seek wisdom and counsel from their creator. Father, in the week that's passed, we've seen many pictures and videos on our news and on social media of our queen. As last Sunday, she reached 70 years on the throne. And Father, we thank you for her life and her service to this country and to this kingdom. We thank you for our Christian faith and witness 
to the nation, but also to the world in those 70 years. We thank you that as she speaks to the world so often, she speaks of her Saviour and her God. Father, you really have answered this nation's prayer for her to enjoy a long life and a long reign over us. She is our Queen, and we thank you. But Father, we thank you infinitely more for our true Sovereign, the King of Kings, Christ Jesus. For he is the one who reigns and will reign for an eternity. To him will all nations and peoples and tongues one day bow. The King of glory. He has spoken to us through your word. And as we come to study it in a moment, may we realize the weightiness of his own words. The message of the King to the people. As we understand his words to us, we pray that you might send the Spirit to move in our hearts. We pray that each person present and listening may this day be known unashamedly as loyal subjects, brothers and sisters of their most faithful prophet, priest and King of Kings in whose name we pray. Amen. Decisions can be horrible things and having to choose between one thing and another can be some people's most stressful part of the week. And by way of an example, ladies, if you're going about your work in the daytime and you're starting to feel hungry, you're thinking of dinner. And as you think of dinner, you're maybe thinking, what meat are we going to have tonight? Are we going to have chicken or beef or lamb or pork? And so, for advice, you ring your husband. And you ring him up and you say, darling, what would you like for dinner? Would you fancy chicken or beef? And he says, the worst thing possible. Oh, it doesn't matter. Just whatever you cook is fine. That's lovely. That's the one that everybody dreads, isn't it? But anyway, you, you figure out that it's going to be chicken. And so you go down to the milestone and you realize, what am I going to do with the chicken? Is it going to be chicken and broccoli baked? Or is it going to be a casserole? Is it going to be fried or battered or breaded? What's it going to be? It's a nightmare. It's just an everyday choice. But we have bigger decisions in life too. Of course we do. Who are we going to marry? Where are we going to live? What car are we going to drive? Life's filled with decisions. And in the two verses that we've, two verses that we've read together earlier on the service there, they're the first two verses where Christ really begins to change the focus of his Sermon on the Mount. He's been preaching from chapter 5 right to where we are here in chapter 7. And He's really come to the close of his sermon. He's nearing the end and it's crunch time. It's as if he's saying, you've all heard what I've had to say. Now you have a choice to make. You will decide. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. And unlike all the decisions you have in everyday life, there aren't a multitude of things to choose from. There aren't three or four or ten possibilities. There are just two. And here Christ is drawing a line between one and the other. He's making it as clear as possible. If you choose one way, it will lead to life eternal. Choose the other, and it will lead you to destruction. And in most of chapter 7, Christ presents us with two ways. After these two verses, there are two kinds of tree, two kinds of fruit. Then there are two groups of people at the judgment. There are two kinds of builder, building two kinds of foundation. But in these two verses... There are really four sets of two, if you like. Because we have two gates, two ways, two companies of people, and two destinations. Two gates, two ways, two companies, and two destinations. So first, two gates, the narrow and the wide. It's probably true that of all the insults that Christians are faced with on a daily basis, to be called narrow-minded is probably the one that is most common and the one that annoys us most of all in many ways. Most people nowadays look at our narrowness as an awful thing. We have an out-of-date religion. We're not progressive enough. We're living in the dark ages. And so they look upon this narrow gate and they shun it. They don't want to be limited or restrained and so the wide and accepting door that leads to destruction is far more appealing for them. And if we're offended by, calling, by being called narrow, 
then there is a very real danger. Because if we're afraid of that, if we have a fear of being called narrow-minded, then there's a very real threat of swinging over to completely the other direction. And we can look around churches and we can see that in today's world. People who go to great lengths to please the men of the world. Ministers are prepared to leave out certain doctrines. People are almost delete certain parts of scripture. And in so doing, they wander very far away from the example that Christ gives us here. Famous famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones aptly says, we never find Jesus Christ changing his gospel in order to suit the people. Rather, we find him changing the people in order to make them fit the gospel. Folks, it's no bad thing to be called narrow. It's not a title that we ought to be afraid of. Rather, it's a title that we ought to strive to live up to. To go out of our way to be as narrow as Christ and the scriptures would have us. And if everyone was as narrow as Christ would have us be, there would be no murder, there would be no adultery, there would be no wars in our world, for it would be a perfect world. But the gate is narrow. And it's narrow because the gospel is narrow. It's, it's so narrow a gate that only one person can pass through at a time. We can't be saved in families. There's no two-for-one deals. A congregation can't be saved in bulk because of an excellent preacher. We are saved one by one, and it's only ever a question of you and God. It's narrow as well that, in, this, in the sense that to enter, many things must be left behind. You think of going on holiday. You gather your things. You go to the airport. You bring all your baggage. You, you go to the, get your ticket checked. Then you head through to security. And you have this wee archway that you have to walk through. Make sure you don't bring anything with you which is illegal. You have to take off your shoes. You have to take off your belt, maybe, or your jewellery. And it's impossible to get through that gate and ultimately to go to your destination unless you're willing to part with some things along the way. We must leave all things behind which cannot enter. And entering through this narrow gate, we have to leave many things behind. Self-righteousness, selfishness, desire for earthly things. Entrance demands self-denial and obedience. But you can enter the wide gate with absolutely anything you want. Anything and everything. All your baggage, all your accessories, walk through, no questions asked. That's why it's the popular way. That's why it's popular to be broad-minded, broad in doctrine, broad in beliefs, broad in morals. All other religions, the most impressive good works that you can muster, self-righteousness, they're all just different roads that lead to the same wide gate. It may be broad and attractive and welcoming, but it leads to destruction. Make no mistake, the narrow gate is hard to find. It's constricted, it's concise, but it represents the way of true salvation. It's God's way of eternal life. And it's a gate that always opens on the Calvary, onto the cross, and to Christ. For as we said in the children's address, he is the gate. He says it in John, 10, chap, uh, John chapter 10 and verse 9, whoever enters by him will be saved. They will go in and out and find pasture. Christ says, enter by the narrow gate. Come to me and be saved. So there are two gates. There are two ways as well, hard and easy. So just as the wide gate has many signs of encouragement to try and entice you in, the path that leads after that is much the same. Come one, come all. The more the merrier. There's no restrictions here. Be whoever you want to be. And it all sounds great. There's a wide gate. That's fantastic. Plenty of room for everyone. It leads to a way of Smooth sailing, easy, nothing to stop us. Great, it all sounds wonderful. Christ is honest. There is a way where the progress is easy and entertaining. It's full of noise and decorations. Nothing to trip you up. You'll have plenty of company on this highway. He says there are two ways to go. And this is the easiest. It is the most pleasant. But he's not quiet about where it leads. It leads to destruction. And if Christ hadn't added that little detail on to the end, I'm sure nobody would really be looking for another way. But he tells us of one. 
There is this easy highway or there is this hard and, and difficult road. A way that will cause pain and will cause affliction. It is the costly way. You will have to walk with care. It's dangerous. But it leads to life eternal. And this is the great conundrum for everyone, isn't it? We're presented with two gates and two ways. One is ever so attractive and enticing. The other seems almost altogether unappealing from the outside. We love the thought of the destination, of the life at the end, but the way just seems a little bit too much of a hassle. And so many kid themselves and they say, I'll stay on the easy way for now. They expect to, to jump off near the end of the journey. Some intend to walk with a foot on one path and a foot in the other. But neither of those things are possible. Because in the first instance, walking on any, any part of the easy road, the problem is that it really is easy. It's great. And the further you walk, the more time you spend on it, the harder your heart becomes to Christ. Walking in both ways doesn't work either, with a foot in each. Because these paths, they don't go in the same direction. You can only be on one or the other. Completely opposite. And if you think you're walking on both at the same time, I can guarantee you that both your feet are on the easy path, taking you closer each moment to destruction. So beware of where you're heading. Those who are saved know this. The way is hard. Christ continually warns that the way of the Christian disciple, it is narrow, it's difficult. Unlike the easy life of indulgence and pleasure, the hard way requires repentance. Turning from that which despises God, turning, uh, which displeases God, turning from sin, it requires complete submission to Christ. It requires a true willingness to obey His will and His word. But those who follow will find abundant life. There is no third way. There is no back way into the kingdom. So why is it so hard? Well, we as Christians know that being saved from the power and the penalty of sin doesn't mean that we'll never sin again this side of glory. And so, because the old nature is, is never fully conquered until death, this bitter struggle arises, not only from without, but from within. But this is a path that must be faithfully navigated. Sin must be killed off, habits broken, temptations resisted. This is an uphill way of, of struggle and trial. The other is all downhill and effortless. But the tribulations are worth it. For men who continually, to tra continually travel downhill can never hope to reach the mountaintop. Sinners who refuse to climb hills can never hope to reach the celestial city. Folks, we're all traveling on one of these ways. No one is standing still. We all have that in common. Some are walking to the end. Some are running to the end. But time takes us further down the road each moment of life. Either you'll harden your heart to Christ in the easy way. Or you're being sanctified by the Spirit in the hard way. It really is a case of counting the cost, isn't it? Christ is straight with us. He says his way is the most difficult. The ending is desirable, but the way is hard. It's not just a case of offering up a prayer to God and the rest is smooth sailing all the way to glory. It's the most difficult way you'll ever go. Although there are many wonderful privileges along the way. But every second is worth it. Because one moment in glory will make up for a lifetime of hardships. Christ knows the way better than anyone. For not only is he the gate but he is the way. John 14 tells us that. Jesus says, I am the way. So if you've entered in the gate, then be resolute in your faith. Continue to walk the blessed way. If you haven't yet done that, don't waste time. The gate is not closed that can lead you along the way to glory. Two gates, two ways, and then two companies. We're told by Christ that either 
as you travel along this path, you'll be with a multitude of people or you'll be with just a few. If the gate is narrow, if it's hard to find, if we're promised a rough and a, a tough path when we get through it, it's hardly surprising that we might walk it in solitude. Apparently the writer Oscar Wilde, some of you will know him, he's quoted as saying that he didn't want to go to heaven. He didn't want to go to heaven. And the reason that he gave was because none of his friends would be there. He's supposed to be such a great mind. What an idiotic thing to wish upon yourself. For the sake of good company, miss out on an eternity in the company of the King of Kings, the greatest companion of them all. But that truly is the story of so many in our world today. They might not be silly enough to, to say that they would wish to spend eternity in hell, but because of the company they keep, and because of fear and losing out of friendships, or looking bad in front of them, they do, they miss out in glory. They avoid church, they avoid everything connected with church, because their friends are the most important things to them. And what a pity that is. It's great, it's lovely to have so many friends, but how much more lovely is it to know the Saviour as your friend? If you choose the easy way, you'll have plenty of company. But is it not just too great a sacrifice to be willing to be damned for the sake of company? Would you honestly rather go to hell with them because they won't come to heaven with you? Jesus is saying that following him requires great faith, discipline, and endurance. And honestly, very few want anything to do with it. So it's not enough to think as others think and to do as others do and if you're swimming with the tide of those who are around you going by this passage there's a very good reason to believe that you're on the wrong path it's a scary thought that not only is the path that leads to destruction wide but it's also full there's also an encouragement for believers though and it's this we've no reason to worry if the faith that we profess is not popular and if few people agree with us. Faith in Christ, repentance, leading a life of holiness has never been fashionable. Christ's true flock has always been small. So why should we worry if we're called bigoted for our biblical views, if we're called peculiar or narrow-minded? It's far better to enter into eternal life with a few than to enter destruction with a great company. It's just a bit like the old praise song on the Jericho Road. Maybe some of you know it. Chorus goes, on the Jericho Road there's room for just two. No more and no less. Just Jesus and you. The company of Christ is enough. It is of infinitely more worth than the company of all humanity, past and present, put together. Do not let the crowd determine where you spend your eternity. It is too high a cost. Instead, let Christ be your companion on the journey of life. The way to everlasting life is narrow, and there are few that travel in it. Two gates, two ways, two companies, and then finally, two destinations. You all know the two destinations. Destruction and life, mentioned them plenty already. Destruction, hell, are mentioned plenty in Scripture. You can really just take your pick. Second Thessalonians calls it eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Jesus himself calls it a place of, of weeping, of gnashing of teeth, the fiery furnace, the hell of fire, the unquenchable fire, torment where worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, a place of utter darkness, a place of eternal punishment. We're getting down to the nice bit now, aren't we? That's the, people, that's the part that people don't like talking about. And they'll, and they'll say that this is a harsh message because we're talking about hell. But bear in mind that these descriptions are from the lips of the one with the most loving heart of all. It is a loving thing to talk about hell. It is a loving thing to warn people of their possible destruction. It is a loving thing to plead with them to turn to Christ and repent of their sins. It's the most loving thing that we can do as Christians. The other destination then is life. Eternal life, which is the free gift of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. We said how he's the gate. He was the way. We've seen how he is the, the great companion on along the way. But he is, of course, the life too, isn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. First John chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. Christ is the life. He is eternal life. Christ is our gate. He is our way. He is our companion. He's our destination. He is our everything. If we trust him for salvation. If we repent of our sins and follow his commands. If we are narrow as the gospel is narrow. If we travel on the road of affliction and and persecution. If we have a personal faith in and a relationship with our prophet, priest and king. It's all about Jesus. So the question must be asked, what will you do with Jesus? He could not be more clear. He could not be more straight with us in just these two verses. Life and death, good and evil, both the ways, both the ends are before us here. So which way are you going? Which way are you traveling? Because if your heart still beats, you are traveling on one of these roads. And as time marches on, your destination is getting closer and closer. I've asked the question, what will you do with Jesus? But one day, you will ask, what will Jesus do with me? So folks, make sure that you're one of the few. (laughs) Choose which way you will walk. If not by the end of this service, then at least by the end of this day. Because there really is no time to waste. The gate can still be opened. Jesus is merciful. Jesus can save. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending our Saviour Christ into this world. Not just to tell us the way, but to be the way. To open the life gate that all may go in. Father, we pray for the church in Raphael and the true church. We pray that you will be our ever-present help as we travel on this narrow, difficult, sometimes lonely path. For we do struggle. Christ was telling us the hard truth. It's not always easy. But we thank you, Father, that it leads us closer and closer to you each day. We pray for those as well that still walk the wide and the crowded road that leads to destruction. Father, please strive with them. Rescue the perishing. Snatch them from sin and the grave. Let them not experience your wrath. But may you find it pleasing to grant them mercy and grace. So that they may taste life and life everlasting. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to sing our final item of praise. Rescue the perishing.
And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority, both now and forevermore. Amen.